This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Our thanks to the great Lofa Tutupu, who spent the first hour of the show in studio with us. If you guys are just tuning in and you missed that, you'll be able to find all of it on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Just click the podcast tab, click on our brand spanking new picture, really handsome picture of the two of us, and then uh, click subscribe, really, is what you should do once you get there. But, Dave, uh, I would put Lofa in that category with um, John Morosi and some of the other people we've talked about where we've said... If you've got a problem with this guy, you're the problem. <laughs> that's exactly right. Right? He's he, he's in that rare category where, like, if you don't like Lofa, that's that says something about you. He's he's just what a good dude. Oh, he is. He, he's the best. I just remember even when he was a rookie, man. <laughs> the first thing I should have told this while he was here. One of the first times I ever met him, I went up to shake his hand, and he was getting uh, he was getting undressed after. Um, like practice and he was all sweaty and everything and like he stuck his his hands uh down down like his you know trying to get his pants off and everything and i came up to shake his hand he's like you don't want to shake my hand right now man (laughs) (laughs) he said thanks for the consideration brother i appreciate that (laughs) yeah yeah just just a all-around good dude and a phenomenal player and you you always rave about just his his football iq and how quickly he picked things up so um, just all around good dude. So if you missed that, you can find it on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. But we were talking about, uh, you know, in the last segment, what was, what was bugging us. And it was, uh, it was that the NFL honors were streaming last night unbeknownst to both of us. I thought it was, you know, again, the guide, when you click the guide, it said NFL network, NFL honors six o'clock. I'm like, right. cool, hit record done. And then I went out and did my thing, came home and it was not that, but, um, we, we, I want to read this one text before we get into the actual awards. <laughs> 425 says, only an idiot would think being signed up for 10 different services to watch football is okay. Boomer show has nothing to do with it. Congratulations for small wit. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, 425. Good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with Boomer show. Yeah, so, and so I was forced to look up to see what era that we're, we're in, and I'm the last year of the boomer. So you're the last. Goes 46 to 64. Well, you were born in 65, right? No. Is that what you said? Oh, 64. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So technically. End. All right. Yeah. You're sort of, you're, you got your toe dipped in, uh, what's the next one? Generation X? Generation X. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you know this. Uh, the greatest generation, uh, 1901 to 1924. Then the silent generation, 26 to 45. Then the baby boomers, then Generation X, then millennials. Silent. I don't. I don't know that I've heard that before. The silent yeah. generation. Well, they keep quiet. Is that what it is? Yeah, they is that why they're not heard? They anything? shut their back holes. <laughs> Look at Matt. You, Matt would like to be part of the silent generation, yeah. or have everybody else be a part of it. Actually, a dream. <laughs> a dream. Uh, all right, that was a good text, and we do have mean text coming up today at five forty-five. So just get creative and text them into eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Powered by Mac and Jacks Brewing company all right so we saw the awards handed out or most people saw it i just read about it um but defensive rookie of the year dave i look at this as two in a row two in a row where the seahawks got jobbed because is is, we can complain about who Tariq woolen was this year last year i felt like he deserved it as we we joked about apparently you know passes defense is a much better stat than 
the inter- six interceptions he had, thus mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner won it. Right. This year, Will Anderson wins it. And it wasn't even just that he won it. Jalen Carter finishes second. Kobe Turner finishes third. Devin Witherspoon finishes fourth. How? How? No, it's ridiculous. I, I went through the numbers, and number one, he's on the field way more than these other guys. And then you look at his stats, and he's got better stats. He's populating every category of yeah, the stats. Exactly. I mean, these guys might, you know, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, they, they might have a, a couple of knocked, you know, passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage. And our guy had what sixteen, seventeen, something like that. Yeah. So, and then he had the three sacks. Uh, I think he only got credit for two. Yeah, sixteen uh, passes defense. Yeah, I think maybe it was f- four sacks that he would only got credit for three. But yeah, you know, the other thing. Make sure I'm not jumping ahead here, Mike. But you know, they also had the um, the the <laughs> player of the year, or I'm sorry, the the moment of the year. Yeah, we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, I just Kobe Turner. I'm actually okay with. But I thought Jalen Carter was just such a big name. Like, everybody was just pumping him up. He gets a sack against the Seahawks, and nobody blocked him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't know how many of his sacks that, that happened with. But, I mean, these guys, they weren't on the field nearly as long. And Will Anderson, same thing. Uh, I just I, I looked at all the numbers, and he has better numbers. He has more snaps on the field. Uh, I just think he had a bigger impact. Maybe it was because he missed three games but and and really it was almost four because of the san francisco game that he that he missed like i think he got hurt in the first quarter but yeah he he just is uh, to me i i I feel like yeah we got screwed again and i i feel like this is one where i don't know the the sort of media darlings were at the end of the year the houston texans just because everybody was like oh look at this with the two you know rookies and especially a rookie quarterback and you know they just jumped ahead yeah, it's just if you look at the numbers and you break them down, I mean, six sacks for Jalen Carter. Look at the number of games where he had one tackle and yeah. one. And as you said, in comparison to time on the field, it's not even a discussion. And these guys, and this is not, you know, this is just the position they play. You're kind of more of a one-trick pony. You're not intercepting passes. You're not defending passes. You're going after the quarterback, and that's your your primary goal. Whereas Spoon is giving you sacks, interceptions, Fumble recoveries, force fumbles, passes defended. He's populating all of those categories, and he's on the field decidedly more than these guys. Uh-huh. So I'm looking at the I'm looking at the the game log for for Jalen Carter, and he's got three let's see three game four games in a row where he had one tackle, one. So in four games he had four. I'm just like, come on, man. I, I get it. He he had impact here and there, and there were, there were streaks where he had you know a sack in in a, in a couple games. He had two sacks against the Rams back in October. Uh, he had a sack in his very first game of the season. So okay, but it just there were a lot of games where he 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 wasn't doing it in terms of the stats, and and for him to be ahead of Witherspoon, I find just to be ridiculous i get it he's he's he had the big there was so much conversation about him good and bad coming in, into the draft and so everybody's aware of him and he's he's playing in a in a market that everybody's you know watching this is a team that was one of the best teams in football at 10 and 1 and then they the wheels came off i just didn't think he deserved that kind of consideration personally yeah well and then if you if you compare it to uh to will anderson as well and he was the winner right yes yeah so 
once they didn't announce uh, Spoon, I was like, forget it. I'm just going to block this out of my mind. But, yeah, three sacks for him, which could have been four. Um, he got the interception, which could have been two. Now, I don't, I don't expect the people to count that or to know about it, so that's fine. But I just – just throwing that in there, and like you mentioned, the 16 uh, passes defense. But then also, if you go back and look at the the percentage, I mean, if you look at Will Anderson, it's like 63 percent of that or, he's on the field. Yeah, le- or actually less than 60. And then when you look at uh, Spoon, he's out there like 80, 91 percent of the time. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. As you said, Kobe Turner. I, I don't have any issues with that. That guy doing what he did from the interior spot. Awesome. Congrats. Especially being like a fifth rounder. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's the, Mm -hmm. I can live with that, but it's just the, the, it's sort of the hype that surrounds Jalen Carter. That one bothered me more than Will Anderson because I just, I felt like he should have been at last personally because he, his, his playing time, his production, I get four games in a row where he had one tackle each game. And I understand not everything they do shows up in the stat sheet where they're providing pressure and perhaps taking up double teams, you know, providing opportunity for other guys. But I think, didn't he get in the doghouse at one point during the season where they decreased his playing? I thought something had happened with him. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. But I thought something happened with Jalen Carter where, all right, they were a little unhappy with him for oh, a little yeah. bit. But whatever. I just I, To me, that's two years in a row. That's two years in a row where you've had guys that play in the secondary for the Seahawks that have had tremendous seasons and not really being acknowledged for it. It just, it's, it's kind of a bummer. And then I saw, I retweeted a couple of uh, Quandre was like, this is, you know, bleep this, you know, and you know, uh, even, oh, really? yeah, yeah. And Sticking I retweeted that and, and spoon just had the, an emoji, like a angry devil face or something yeah. like that was his, his tweet. So it, it certainly doesn't go unnoticed and hopefully he'll use that as ammunition to go out there and take it out on every opponent next year. All right. Yeah, so that one aside, that that in my opinion, very very obvious slight. Uh, what about MVP? Did you we we talked about it before? I felt like you know it was going to be Lamar Jackson, no matter what it ended. I think you thought it was going to be Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, probably. Did you have a problem with it being Lamar? It's, <laughs> no. I, I actually think Christian McCaffrey probably should have won it. If we're going on what they provide, you know, they both provide a ton for their team. Uh, Lamar stats, you know, you look at him, he's he's like not even in the top 10 of some of his passing categories. Yeah. So he's kind of the, it's everything he does outside of passing. But I, if I had a vote, I probably would have voted for McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I probably would have too. I just, I came to really appreciate him just because going into this year, there was some hesitation as to, you know, whether they were going to. Um, sign him or not, and and just whether or not he was a you know a quarterback that you can rely on. I mean, I just the thing I love about him. First of all, he didn't he wasn't super wordy. Like when Calais Campbell got up and accepted the Walter Payton Man of the Year a few years ago, mm-hmm. I was like, I, that's the best speech I've ever heard a football player make. It was so it wasn't anything like that, but I I loved what he said and just the way he talked about his teammates and talked about his. Uh, you know, the GM, the coach, all of that. And I, I just, I've got a new appreciation for Lamar Jackson. Um, the other thing is, I love the way he runs. I mean, he does mm. not, he's not sliding. He's a tough guy. I just think he's just a consummate football player. So, I, yeah, I was happy that he won that. But you're right. I probably would have voted for, for Christian McCaffrey. And especially, you know, it's pretty amazing what he has done. We talked about this yesterday about his health mm. and how, you know, it was just, I don't know if he's working harder or maybe he's just getting lucky. Um, but maybe they have a different way of 
preserving him. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, it is remarkable. It could be, but it, it is. And, you know, the fact that yeah, I think he's he's working really hard. I don't think it's anything different than what he's always done, but um, I'm, I'm loving seeing him get kind of a comeback, and we might talk about this a little bit later, but, you know, maybe that'll – bring you know running back sort of back into focus that you got an MVP and um, yeah offensive MVP I think he was Off- uh, offensive player, player of the year, of the year yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what about coach of the year this is interesting because Kevin Stefanski and D'Amico Ryan's basically tied at 165 in terms of points but Stefanski received one more first place vote than D'Amico Ryan's he received 21 first place votes Ryan's 20 so Stefanski wins Coach of the Year over Ryan's. How do you feel about that? I know you like D'Amico Ryan's a lot, but Stefanski does deserve a lot of credit considering the rotation at quarterback they had, and yeah. they bring Joe Flacco out of the uh, out of the crypt to go out there and play quarterback, and he wins Comeback Player of the comeback. Year, by the way. Yeah, but Brown's pretty good story. Yeah, no, you know what? I it's funny when you watch shows like that. Like that was a team that we looked at for about a week, and then you know we paid attention to them because they were in the AFC North, and that's that's the the. Uh, the AFC division that the Seahawks played and you start to have more appreciation for Stefanski, but yeah, just from what I've seen and maybe that's part of the voting problem is like, yeah, I didn't really see that much or digest that much information about Stefanski. D'Amico Ryans was, you know, kind of always on my radar and I just, you know, a couple of the things that, that he did during the season, you hear the, the talks that he gives his players and I just, you know, and also he became, I think he was a captain like his second year when he was playing linebacker for the Texans, and he's just been a leader his whole life. And so I just assumed it was going to go to him, but I don't, I don't have any problem there. But I, I feel like D'Amico Ryan's has done a really good job with Houston. Oh, fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, they, they That's tied. A, That's a, a good vote. I was just going to say good vote, 165 points each. Yeah. They tied. It was just that one, that one vote difference, and he received one more first-place vote. Oh, and – not a great franchise, right? Houston. No. I mean, over the years, it's been it's been kind <laughs> no. of. They're another one we haven't really talked about that much. But I mean, uh, uh, there's been some bad things that have come out of that building, and you, you talk about what Ron Rivera did with Washington, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I think D'Amico Ryan's is, you know, I think they've done a pretty good job of keeping their ownership sort of out of the picture and say, hey, this is our guy. When you think of Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryan's, and I, that, everybody loves it. Now, the the one you, you brought up a moment ago, and uh, then Lefko maybe glared at you, uh, but the the uh, the yeah. moment of the year, the moment of the year went to C.D. Lamb for his 92-yard TD reception against the uh, Lions. What was Devin Witherspoon's return? Was it 96? Uh, it was like 87. Oh, 87? Something like that. Yeah, and it wasn't anything, you know, as far as did he dive for the ball or, you know, have to – Jump and catch it. One no, it was ninety-seven. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was like on right the now. ten yard line. Ninety-seven yard. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm like, and he wasn't trying to throw the ball to him. They were yeah. trying to throw it to CD Lamb. Yeah. There you go. That's a great point. You know, maybe the most spectacular play was the Kyle Hamilton play, and that was, you know, the one where he's a safety for the Ravens and he yeah. jumps up and you know tips the ball and then catches it and runs for. That's that's hard to do because a lot of times you'll try to swipe at it and he just put his hands up and popped it up in the air. That uh, you know there was also the Jets punt returner and I think that was that first week when Aaron Rodgers got hurt that they they won that game because of um, they beat Buffalo on a punt return. That was yeah. pretty spectacular. See. D. Lamb, like you said, quarterbacks throwing the ball to him. You got to work a lot harder. But 
Uh, I just thought that 97-yard interception return. It was on a Monday night football game. Monday night football game in New York. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of a lot of people should have waken up, have woken up to uh, Devin Witherspoon and how good he is. But yeah, I just that that kind of I don't know. Are we being the uh, sort of uh, sensitive uh, Seattle fans up here in South Alaska? We're not. We're still getting screwed because of things like that. I don't, I don't know. think the stats so. kind of tell a different story, man. Yeah. I don't think we're trying to spin the stats into something they're not. They're, here, here are the facts. He's got three sacks. He's got a 97-yard interception return for a touchdown. He's got 16 passes defensed. He's got a forced fumble. He's, you know, I, and he's on the field as you said. What 89% of the time, whatever that number yeah. is, which dwarfs all of the other numbers. So by, by far, it, it, these are just the facts. These, this is not really an opinion here. There's yeah. here's what he did. Let's compare it. Yeah, he played hundreds of snaps more than than most of those guys. And then, you know, I know that we mentioned this, the stat was 16 passes defense. Yeah. Remember the one against the 49ers on uh, on Thanksgiving where he just has a sense for where the ball is going to go based on looking at the receiver and puts his arm up. And it wasn't like he puts it up in the air like he would or puts it straight out. Like he put it right where you need to. And he back to the, to the quarterback and just that sense – to make that kind of play, I mean, that might be one of the best plays that he made all year. Yep. Has eyes in the back of his head, Dave. Yeah. That's the saying. Uh, what When we did uh, What's Bugging Bob, What's Bugging Us, we asked Lofa, who was in studio with us, Lofa Tatupu, and he asked him what was bugging him outside of his basketball game today. He brought up uh, the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It, and that, that Antonio Gates did not make it. Now, the guys that did make it, first of all, you have two Seahawks legends, uh, Dwight Freeney and Devin Hester. <laughs> made it. I, for, I I just I have no memory of Devin Hester being on this team. I just saw somebody posted a highlight of one of his uh, his best return, which got called back because there was a holding penalty uh, in a Seahawks uniform. Was it against the Falcons? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't. It wasn't a touchdown, but it was a nice return, and then it was negated. I think that's the 2016 season where they brought him in late because I think they beat Detroit at home in the playoffs. And then they went to Atlanta and got beat, and then that's the year that I believe Atlanta went on to. Yeah, I just don't. I don't remember him in a Seahawks uniform, yeah. but there he is. So yeah, Dwight Freeney and uh, one of the stats they put up. He played four games for the Seahawks. He had three sacks, mm-hmm. and they what was it? One fewer than than L.J. Collier had in forty-five games, or something like that, and a half a sack more than Ziggy Ansah had, and his something something along those lines. Like he he did a lot in a little bit of time, but yeah. But Lofa had my career interception in one game. Yeah, that's so right. you know you can't really count it that way, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but and, yeah, and I was telling you about by the way when he left he. We interviewed him after that game. I go, man, three interceptions. You just tied my record, you little brat. And he goes, I should have had four. <laughs> I should have broken your record. <laughs> uh, so outside of the Seahawks legends that are Dwight Freeney and Devin Hester, you had Andre Johnson, Julius Peppers, Patrick Willis, who was a menace, and then your guy, Randy Gratishar, and uh, Steve McMichael. So those are the senior additions right there. So, yeah, Antonio Gates, just going through, uh, Lefko sent us an article from – uh, I don't know what is this USA Today or yeah USA Today of some of the some of the snubs seven major snubs from the 2024 Pro Football Hall of Fame including Antonio Gates they don't really give stats to everybody here they're just kind of showing their picture but they've got him they got remember Jared Allen defensive end for the Vikings Chiefs he would he would he would do that celebration like he's the rodeo like he's he's uh, calf roping remember oh, that yeah right. that, that was his thing uh, running back Fred Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, defensive back Rodney Harrison, uh, Torrey Holt, 
Yeah. Uh, Reggie Wayne, wide receiver from the Colts. Safety Darren Woodson. Uh, and th- those are the snubs they've got is the yeah. biggest. But Antonio Gates, what'd you say? He had 116 16 touchdowns. Jeez. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and there's still time to get him in. I mean, he, he stopped playing in, in, what is it, 2018, I think. So maybe, because what is it, five years that you is the minimum, I think, that you're out of the league before you can go into this? I NFL think it is. Yeah, thing? I think you, well, or is that baseball? I'm, I'm Now I'm getting them confused. Yeah, but is I it mean, both? Is it five for both? Antonio Gates will get in at okay. some point. He's only 43 years old. So, yeah, I think he, but. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting what what Lofa was bringing up about that kind of stuff because you do have you know guys like John Clayton that you know and we always sit there and kind of trash on the media guys and what, what you know Lofa jokingly saying what do they know about football but, <laughs> they don't you know, know ball but you know John Clayton for example I mean that dude knew everybody who was in the NFL basically yeah. and had his database on you know the guy and how many times he's been hurt and how many ACLs tears he had and he I mean he. He knew he knew quite a lot. So well, and as you mentioned, he would defer. Hey, Dave, tell yeah. me about Cortez, or he would, right. you know. And I, I'm guessing he's not the only. I would hope he's not the only one to do that. If you're making the case for a specific player, you're going to talk to their former teammates or you know people that know. Tell me about this guy. What what can I use as is sort of my ammunition, if you will, and my my support of him. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 kind of you know maybe a little bit harsh on some of the writers and some of the frustration and everything. But I get Lofa. I mean, he's watching Antonio Gates. It's it's pretty remarkable. And that guy was a freaking basketball player. Yep. But you remember, you know, Julius Peppers was another guy I saw last night. Yeah. And uh, remember, he played at North Carolina. He was a he was a really good forward uh, on the basketball team. Vaguely was yeah. yeah. Now that you're saying that. Yeah. I mean, he, he was an amazing, amazing athlete. But same thing with Gates, you know, he, like uh, Tony Gonzalez, yep. uh, basketball player. All right. Coming up, we'll get some insight on Adam Durday for, and his thoughts on Dan Quinn as well. Going to the commanders, Isaiah Stamback makes a return visit to the program. That is coming up next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. The Seahawks have a brand new defensive coordinator, Adam Durday, coming over from the Dallas Cowboys. And it's a pleasure to speak speak to this man again. Give us a little insight on him and some of the reaction to Dan Quinn leaving. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, Isaiah Stanback, Husky legend. Isaiah Stanback is with us. How are you, man? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? And Garfield legend. Oh, Garfield legend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to give you the proper amount of respect. I mean, sure. when you're a legend in multiple spots, man, it's hard to keep up with everything. Uh, I wish that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> but we we appreciate you joining us once again. And the and the Seahawks, uh, you know, poach somebody from that Dallas Cowboys staff. Adam Durday. I know he's he's unknown to a lot of people out there. What uh, just from your maybe limited interactions or what you've seen from him? Mm-hmm. Just give us give us your impression of him. Yeah, I mean, AD, I've had opportunity to be around him over the last few years. I've been working with the Cowboys for the last four years, um, and obviously he's been uh, the defensive line coach since 2021. Um, you know, the guys love him. Uh, they, I haven't had a ton of interactions directly one-on-one with him, um, but I can speak for the work that he has had uh, show up on the field. And when you think about some of the best defensive lines in football, 
Dallas Cowboys have had that in terms of pass rushes, at least. And um, I know one of the things that Seattle was trying to solve um, by bringing in a new coach or bringing in a new defensive line coach and a new defensive coordinator um, in, in Dirty is trying to stop the run. So something that he's still going to have to um, obviously prove um, in terms of his career, but in terms of guys and likability, um, his ability to develop pass rushers, uh, Dallas has had some of the best ones around the league over the past few years. Yeah, Isaiah, I think the other thing, too, what you know, and you know this as, as well as anybody, that what makes up a, a good coach is just saying the right things to you, you know, just the way that they communicate. And I just remember, I mean, it was funny listening to his English accent, you know, but um, but uh, which I like. I, I think it, it's it's funny, but there it was funny during the hard knocks. There were guys like saying, "What what are you saying there? What what is that?" <laughs> he talks funny, but it sounds like he's he's a, a great communicator. Is that what uh, stood yeah. out to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think his ability to be able to communicate with the players um, is is very important, and uh, you can see the obviously coming in with a youth movement up there in Seattle. I mean, he's a part of that. You know, the ability to be able to connect with players is is number one in this new generation of player that we're really kind of playing with. And once you're able to connect with the guys, now all of a sudden their their walls come down, right? The little barriers come down. Now they're more receptive to your coaching. They're more receptive to your mentorship. Um, you're in this kind of weird dynamic now where you almost have to partially be friends with players. Um, and, you know, you have to be able to walk that line between coach, mentor, and friend and if you don't have that in this league, I think coaching is, is relatively difficult. So that's why you're starting to see so many younger coaches have opportunities, and you're starting to see these younger coaches have more success because of their ability to be able to connect with players at that level. So Isaiah Durde leaves and Dan Quinn leaves. He heads over to the Washington Commanders to be the head coach there. Now, that, that was probably more expected since he interviewed here and multiple other places. But what's the reaction to uh, what's your reaction to Dan Quinn becoming the new head coach over there in Washington? You know, I was I was surprised um, that he ended up in Washington, but I wasn't surprised after Seattle made their made their decision. I truly believe that Dan Quinn wanted to, if he was going to leave, it was going to be for a Seattle job. I think he wanted that probably more than anything. But it became abundantly clear after his interviews with Seattle that they were still waiting. Um, and I'm pretty sure once that happened, he obviously went to Plan B. And I'm I'm almost guaranteed that Washington was. Plan B, and it was actually the last plan that was on the table in terms of being a head coach. So, uh, opportunity that you really can't pass. He's been passing those up over the last few years, um, and it, it was just resulted in him being up in Washington. So, uh, you know, all the all the best wishes to him. He's an amazing guy, amazing coach. I know the city of Seattle knows that. Um, the city of Dallas now knows that, and hopefully, Washington finds that out sooner than later. Hey, Isaiah, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Adam Zimmer. What's the connection there? I know that uh, they coached against each other, McCarthy and, and Zimmer, in the you know the NFC North. But tell us uh, what was the, the connection there, and is it well-received? You know, I think it's kind of a mixed bag right now. Um, you know, some of the things that I just mentioned as far as Dirty coming up there and, um, you know, McDonald, obviously the young coaching regime kind of, kind of taking over the NFL. This is the opposite direction in regards to that. So obviously Zimmer has a, a great track record as being not only a good head coach, but being a, a great defensive coordinator. Um, he's, he's had top ranked defenses during his tenure, um, at, in Minnesota. He's been here in Dallas before as a coach for, I think, 14 years early early uh, back in the day uh, he has a great relationship with not only um, Jerry Jones but he has a great relationship with coach McCarthy so I honestly think this was the probably the safest pick 
um, that was really on the table. It was a guy that, that, that obviously ownership knows. It was a guy that the head coach, Coach McCarthy, knows. And going into the last year of Coach McCarthy's contract, I don't think he was willing to roll the dice on a big personality like a Rex Ryan um, or um, or you know somebody even like Ron Rivera who hasn't really been the guy who's calling the plays. He's been more so a manager of men up there in Washington. So I think this was a very safe um, call, and it was a call that I think they're more so leaning on to to toughen up. Um, the guys on that side of the ball. There's plenty of talent, but I think discipline and toughness is two things that we're lacking, um, and I think that's something that they're trying to address with the hiring with Zimmer. Hey, Isaiah, what, what was your reaction to what Emmett Smith had to say? I'm sure the people were buzzing about it out there. I don't know how much weight it carries if fans care, but they, they jump on his the bandwagon, but he was just basically talking about how surprised he was that McCarthy still was still the head coach and talked about expectations and I don't know if expectations are a little high out there every single year or not, but what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I don't really have a big reaction to that. I mean, there's always a mixed bag down here in Dallas. Everybody wants to see change every single year, seemingly. Um, and that's what happens when you have the star in your helmet. I mean, it's just there's a ton of attention. The media, your name's always going to be in the media every single week. doesn't matter for whatever reason. You could be, oh, so-and-so changed the shoelaces. Oh, my gosh, that's a, that's a headline. <laughs> it's just how, how it goes down here. So, obviously, when you have players who are you know highly acclaimed, highly touted, like, Emma Smith, you know, a lot of success, him, Mike Irvin, um, you know, um, on Troy. I mean, all the guys that played are still around, you know, and they, they show their face around often. Um, there's a standard, you know, there's a standard of excellence that this organization hasn't met in a very long time. And when you have the presence of those guys that are literally the, 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 the representation of excellence and you're not meeting it, um, then guys are going to be obviously going to be very opinionated and ask for changes. Um, but the reality is, you know, you know, Mr. Jones is getting older and, and he is doing everything that he can to put this organization in the best position possible to try to, you know, go out there and get a ring. And I don't think that he was willing when you start looking at some of these decisions, you know, such as um, hiring a Zimmer, I don't think he was willing to take chances or risk on something that he was less sure about versus going with something that was almost a sure thing. So, um, you know, you're either going to go off the beaten path and, and go crazy with your decisions, or you're going to go with the safer approaches and kind of rest assured that you're going to be at least back to where you were the prior year and hope that you can just get over the edge. Isaiah, we were talking about uh, the matchup for on Sunday, and you know, kind of, it's kind of interesting. Kansas City sort of morphing into the no-name team. I mean, you know Kelsey and you know Mahomes, but it seems yeah. like, like especially on their defense. I mean, you know, Chris Jones, uh, Nick Bolton, but um, and then you know, you look over at the Forty ers They seem like they have kind of more of the the big names. Yeah. But what, what do you think about the matchup? Who do you think wins the game? You know, you look at that matchup, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers have a stacked roster, offensively, defensively. I mean, those guys, they're just, they're just monsters. When you look at their roster, they obviously have a ton of great players. Um, but this is really going to come down to talent versus experience. And, you know, the, the, you got the matchup of the, of the coaches right off the back, Shanahan versus Reed. That's a juggernaut of a matchup, more so even than the players, in my opinion. Um, seeing what those guys are going to bring to the table offensively. Um, then you look at the defensive coordinators and see exactly what they're doing over there. You got Spagnolia uh, over there, and then um, um, you have uh, I'll be I just blanked out on coach's name uh, uh, for defense for the Forty Nine ers. Oh, uh, it's uh, Steve Wilkes. Yeah. 
Yeah, Wilkes. Wilkes, you know, he's a former UW guy. So Wilkes was there when I was at the University of Washington. So those two going head-to-head, that's going to be a matchup too. But then you got to go to the players. And you can look at the quarterback situation. You know, um, you know obviously you feel good about Kansas City and, and Mahomes. That dude's a freaking Jedi at the quarterback position. <laughs> um, but, but you know, when you really start looking at the experience that Kansas City has, there's not a situation that they've been in um, that they have not been in. Um, versus the San Francisco 49ers, they're trying to prove, they're trying to get over the edge, they're trying to almost, you know, will their way there with the talent that they have, along with a great head coach. And I, I'm, it's going to be very intriguing to see which one pans out, the talent or the experience, because a lot of times, experience, man, when you have those savvy vets, especially when you have young savvy vets uh, with great coaching, that's just hard to overcome. He is Isaiah Stanback, analyst for the Dallas Cowboys and CBS Dallas, and just a local legend out here. We'll just call it local Washington legend. Hey, Isaiah, as always, we really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate y'all. There you go. Again, Isaiah Stanback uh, giving us some insight into the new Seahawks defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, leaving the whole thing. Coming up, the NFL takes center stage for the Super Bowl and for Wyman this week. That's coming up next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Why, man? Why? Lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. Deal with it. He's a habitual line stepper. What were you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you the way that you are? It's the Why Man of the Week. Why Man is presented by Mazda of Everett. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll get into some best of the rest. So make sure you stay tuned for that here with Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710, but a couple of uh, new entries into Y-Man of the week. Number one, featuring the commish, Roger Goodell, um, was asked. He does his little press conference at the Super Bowl every year and sort of State of the Union, I guess, if you will. Um, he was asked at the Super Bowl press conference if the NFL planned for the Chiefs to get the Super get to the Super Bowl. What do you say to those who think it's all scripted by the NFL? I don't think I'm that good a scripter um, or anybody on our staff. I, I, I think it's, you know, I listen, there is no way that I could have scripted that one. Let's just put it that way. But she is, um, or anybody in our office, she's, she's in a remarkable performer. She knows great entertainment. I had the opportunity to go to two of her concerts with our girls and my wife. She, she's the best of the best. And, and so having her come to NFL games, have her a part of that is nothing but a positive. It's a shame that he even has to answer a question like that. Or somebody feels compelled to even give it credibility by asking that question. It is such insanity that you know somebody could buy are? that with. The people that are thinking that, they don't know ball. <laughs> they don't know a lot of things, Dave. There's a lot missing in their mind, but yeah, they don't know ball for sure. No, I mean, look, I don't. I don't think that they they understand the game. And if you're watching like the history of it, and you know just how it happens, and the changes that have been made, and then the things that have occurred, we were uh, we were looking at a stat, and I won't even throw the number out, but it was a number of NFL games that have been played, and. You know, it's just when you when you've been around like even a portion of that, say it's like, you know, 1500 games or 2000 games that you've watched or played in or coached and everything. You just you just understand that these questions always come at this time of year when it's like there's lots of media. It was like the the lady that was sent to the press conference uh, in Tampa Bay and asked about the cold outside in Detroit and. (laughs) 
you know, they play in a dome. And it's kind of like you get that those kind of press people, I think, at the Super Bowl. You get those. You get some that are just looking for attention. Yeah. By yeah. asking the crazy, zany, wacky question or wearing a goofy outfit by, well, while asking the question. Yeah, and congratulations to the, the person that asked that question because, yeah, here we are talking about it. But I just, how would you do it? Like, how, how would it be rigged? And yeah, I, I don't. You, you couldn't. It, it, the, the, it's so asinine that it, it's just it's irritating. Almost like, yeah, they must. If if somebody's saying that with with some level of of sincerity, like yeah, it's all rigged. They, they they planned this the whole year. Like, okay, so you in your mind, they got every team to play along. Here's how the season's going to play out, guys. Sorry, we've just to let you know. Spoiler. Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl because that's what we, the league, want. So you're going to have to play along, Baltimore, at home. You're going to dominate throughout the season, crush teams. But when it comes to the playoff game at home, you're going to need to lose it. Sorry, because that's what our script says. It's just, it is so mindless. But there are people that actually believe it. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. The, the times that I have looked at the NFL and thought, Okay, maybe maybe the fix is in on this. Is it's really when it's the it's the thing I complain about the most the jogging. Yeah, like when when you watch <laughs> that fifteen yard run by Jameer Gibbs in the NFC Championship game from Detroit, um, and you watch Chase Young, you, you think, okay, he's tanking he's, on purpose. He's tanking, <laughs> and it was re- it was really bad. It was really yeah. bad. But I mean, you see that every once in a while where you're like, guys, just give up or whatever. But Still, I, I just—that's just an awareness thing, and that's something that that gets fixed, or else you get fired. Yeah. I mean, if you do that enough times, to—and you'd have to do it a number of times. Let's say it was just jogging. I'm not going to run to the ball, and I'm not—I'm going to let them, you know, get past me. You get benched. Well, maybe not if you're a Seahawk defender, but um, yeah, yeah, that's just business. But uh, but yeah, I mean that that to me is that was a bad shot at the, at the Seahawks. I just meant last year. Wow. It was very frustrating. It was very frustrating. But um, yeah, it was just uh, to me. I mean, there's just if you've been around the game long enough, and I just mean as a fan, and not even having played and seen enough games, you're like, how how would they do it? You know, it'd have to be the referees. Uh, that's all reviewed, and everybody yeah. sees it now. So the referees have like a whole another problem going on. I feel like they're, you know, they're they've been compromised in in calling plays the right way because they're so concerned about the replay and being overturned and things like that. They want to be right, just like most human beings, right? Yeah. So you know, the there there's that, and then you know maybe the kicker. Uh, I mean, I don't, it's I don't know how else Dave. you would do it. It's mindless. You got, you got 22 guys out there. There, it's very, it's the least controllable. If you were gonna venture into, hey, let's throw a game, you know, uh, any game but football. I think it would be the hardest one by far for someone to throw a game. Yeah. Oh, and on top of it, we're gonna risk this multi-billion-dollar industry. Because we want this team in for some reason. It's so dumb. Yeah. Well, and the Taylor Swift thing is fantastic for the NFL. There's I hope no they question. cut to her every play. Yeah. I hope she's on TV every but, play. But she's good, and it's good yeah. for the NFL. Yeah, it's but growing I'm, their fan base. I'm sorry. The NFL does not need Taylor Swift. No, they don't. They were they doing do just not fine need without her. her. <laughs> That's the best part. They, they, they were looking for a boost in, the, in their product here. Uh, this, one, this one's not quite on that level of absurdity, but this is pretty absurd as well. We played it earlier oh, in the week. Oh, it's, it's, it might be close. Diana Rossini <laughs> claiming that a GM told her that Mike Vrabel was not hired as a head coach because of his size. Do you know I had a GM 
at the Senior Bowl who mentioned to me Vrabel's physical build, that he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to to people in an organization that are going to be part of these decisions. And that is a factor, which I left. I said, stop, that, that's not something that's real. Who cares what someone physically looks like? And he said, I'm just telling you, I've been, I've been in rooms and, and somebody's physical presence can make a difference. That, that person had to be talking about themselves. Whoever was saying that to Diana Rossini had to be, yeah, I've seen it before. Well, you're probably talking about yourself. There's no way anybody's out there going, this, this guy's too big, man. We can't, we can't have a coach like this. He's too intimidating. We won't be able to make the decisions we need to because we're scared. <laughs> he might beat us up. What are you talking about, man? And, and by way of comparison, he's 6'4". We looked it up yesterday. 6'4", what do you say? 250, 260? 260, he's a big dude, but comparatively speaking, you got guys on the old line that are 6'6", 6'7", you know, 350 pounds, you, giants walking around the building. You know, it's, it's another one where you're going, come on, man. Well, I hope those people don't uh, get a visit from David Baker. Yeah, what six <laughs> nine four hundred pounds is what I saw. So he's the guy that goes around during the the NFL season. By the way, he's also the sweetest man ever. I Great met him guy. down on the field one time, and he came up to me and you know saw that I had a shirt on, asked me if I played. I mean, he's just he kind of runs the Hall of Fame. But yeah, that guy is a monstrous he's human being, huge, huge. Uh, so there you go. There's the Y Man of the Week presented by Mazda. Everett. Coming up, the Seahawks can learn something important from this Chiefs defense. We're going to hear about it in our best of the rest. Coming your way with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.